Good morning, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Over Easy. My name is Manny. In case you are new here or you've never listened to an episode, how are you doing? I hope you're doing well. It is bright and early on a Monday morning. I just came back from the gym and ate some food, so it's like 9.30 right now, and it's pretty much the only time that I have in the day to film a podcast today, so I figured I would do it now. I mean, when else am I going to do it, right? Anyways, let's get into a rosebud thorn, a little check in and see how we're all doing. Today, my, well, my thorn is I literally, right as I started recording, I spilled water on myself. So now my leg is wet and um, that's great. I'm more so upset because the pants that I was going to wear today, I think it'll be fine once it dries off, but the pants that I'm wearing are like my only not jeans, nice pants, I guess you could say. So yeah. Um, I mean, I could switch pants later on. It's not a big deal, but I like these pants and I want to keep wearing them. Anyways, that's my thorn, I guess. My rose is that it is October. It's the beginning of October and it's like the perfect, my favorite fall weather right now. Um, I really don't like the cold like at all. My favorite season is probably late spring, summer, and early fall, like that kind of weather, Um, because it's still sunny. It's not raining, but it is not boiling hot. It is cold enough that you can wear some, you know, layers, sweaters, and stuff like that, and it's just like an overall really good time. I mean, like I just imagine walking down UBC campus and it's nice and chilly. You're holding your pumpkin spice latte and the leaves are changing all the colors on Main Mall. That's my ideal vibe. And I think like today is the perfect day for that because it is so kind of cloudy out, but it's still sunny. Like the sun is peeking through the clouds and it's just not too warm, but kind of cold. It's like the perfect weather for me. I like this kind of stuff. So yeah, that's my rose. Otherwise, October is actually probably a chill month, which I'm very excited about. I feel like September is always very hectic and September is just very chaotic because, you know, you're going back to school and you have to do all these things to get ready for back to school. And there's a lot of just like out of the ordinary events because, you know, there's icebreakers and kickstarts for clubs and stuff like that. But October is finally when you hit your groove and you're just kind of in a routine and you're just kind of chilling, living life. So I love October and November for that reason. I don't really like September because of how overwhelming it is. But yeah, and then my bud, hmm, my bud is that today I am going to study on campus. I pretty much have not studied on campus at all so far this year, just because usually when I'm studying, I study in big like three hour chunks and I like to do that in my own town near home. And with today, I just like had a good reason to go to campus to study. So I'm very excited to do that. Um, I feel like I've missed a little bit of on-campus studying and the vibe just being surrounded by your peers and people who are also studying hard and working hard. So I think it'll be very fun. I am going to study in the Ridington room in IKB. If you've never been, you should go. It's very pretty and very nice. And I have not gone since before the pandemic pretty much. So I'm very excited to go back today. My other favorite study spot on campus is Kerner Library because I actually never really liked IKB, which is Irving K. Barber Library before, which is like the more popular library on campus. I never really liked studying there before because it used to be very 
loud and it wasn't even that loud it was just not silent it was just people were allowed to you know talk quietly with their friends and stuff like that so I really didn't like that because it was just really distracting for me when I study when I study I really like to not have any distractions and just listen to music and if there's talking it can really bother me but apparently this year it's a lot quieter in IKB and people aren't as chatty as before so I feel like it'll be okay. Um, my other previous favorite study spot was Kerner Library. Um, before and after the renovations, actually, it was very nice and it was just like a super quiet place to study and it was a very nice view of Main Mall. So yeah, that's what I'm excited for. Overall, I've had a pretty good week, I think. I think. Mm. Yeah, I have still been thinking about last week's episode and I, if you haven't watched it, it was about friendships and how kind of struggling through friendships right now because of after COVID. And I've been just thinking about that episode a lot, you know, thinking about what my ideals of friendship are and what my definition of friendship is. And I'm still kind of struggling with that. So I've been thinking about that a lot and it's been taking up a lot of my thoughts, but Anyways, oh, another thing, this is so super random, but another thing that I found out this weekend, so I have been having this shoulder pain in on my right shoulder, and it's not like a sharp pain, it's just, it feels very tight compared to my left shoulder, um, and I couldn't figure out what I was doing for the longest time, because I haven't really hurt my shoulder or done anything really strenuous. I thought it was because I went back to the gym at first, and I was doing um, chest presses, but it wasn't that, I'm pretty sure, because when you're doing chest presses, it's like a different set of muscles than the like muscle that was hurting in my shoulder. And what I realized was, so this summer I redid my room and I put my like tall shelf underneath my window. And my window, I like to open and close the blinds every day. But because I put that tall shelf underneath the window, I couldn't reach the the pulley thing to close the blinds. So I've been kind of like reaching or like putting strenuous reach on my shoulder to be able to pull the blinds down instead of thinking of an alternative option because I'm lazy and that has been what's hurting my shoulder I realized because I always use my right hand and I've been kind of like stretching my shoulder to close the blinds and I do it every day and that's like the only thing that's changed compared to like in the previous couple months versus now so I realized that and yesterday I basically just attached little pipe cleaners to the little cords that can open and close the blinds so that I don't have to reach as far and hopefully my shoulder goes back to normal because it is kind of hurting and it doesn't feel very good but anyways that's also a random update I had <laughs> I don't know I feel like there's so many things that I want to say to people uh, I feel like there's so many updates that I want to give because they're like oh my god I realized this thing and I realized that thing but when I think about it, people don't really care that much, but I care because it's my life. So now you're the people that have to listen. I'm sorry. You're stuck with me. Anyways, that's the check-in for today. I hope you're doing well. It is getting into the middle of the semester, so it might start getting a little stressful with midterms and assignments and stuff like that. So just remember to take care of yourself and prioritize your self-care because overall that's like what's the most important thing in your life. Um, your value as a whole. And even though a student may be a big part of your identity, just remember that your value is not determined by your grades or how you do in school or whatever else that might be related to that. I feel like it's a, it's a big thing that a lot of people forget and it tends to cause a lot of stress. So 
that's it. Today, we're actually flipping topics just a little bit, and we're going to talk about social media, more specifically social media and its effects on kids, because I've noticed a lot of things, and I work with a lot of kids, so I've noticed some a couple things here and there about that, and also just social media in general, because there's a lot of things that have been going on recently. Let me just start with the first topic because I was just watching a video on this and it's been very fresh in my mind. If you are not on TikTok right now, basically the most popular things on the For You page as of right now are Emily Mariko and her recipes, more specifically her salmon rice bowl recipe, which looks really good and I really want to try it out. Um, And then also this TikTok called Couch Guy, which was basically a video that a girl shared of her surprising her boyfriend at college. I assume they are a long distance relationship. So she went to go and surprise him. And basically his reaction is like gone completely viral and people are leaving a lot of not nice comments and even recreating the video, but just making fun of it and all this kind of stuff. And I feel like I have very mixed thoughts about these two things that are going viral. So generally I am in love with Emily Mariko's content. I... I just love her cooking, how like satisfying her videos are and how it just makes me feel very calm and happy. And she is a full-time content creator, so I do respect her for that. She has grown a lot in the last few weeks. I think I started following her when she was at like 500K and now I think last night I checked she was at like 2.9 million. So that is crazy growth and that's something I want to talk about a little bit later in the episode too, but TikTok is just like magic at helping people grow their platforms and helping people just helping audiences discover their new favorite content creators and I really really like her videos I mean I've watched a lot of her recipes I pretty much every night when I go on TikTok I always go to Emily Mariko's page and check what she's posted that day because she usually posts a video for every single meal that she eats and I really really love her content it is so inspiring and I think she's very inspiring in that she encourages people to eat healthy meals and also eat less processed food. I mean, I've never seen the girl like make mac and cheese or make instant noodles or anything like that. And I think that is very inspiring for especially our generation now as a lot of Gen Z are growing up and becoming adults and, you know, moving out to college and stuff like that. So I think she's like a really good positive force on TikTok. One other thing is another video that I watched on my TikTok for you page was talking about how Emily Mariko is so different because she basically doesn't recognize her growth at all. I mean, from the time that she I started following her from like 500k to now, she's never posted anything about her hitting 1 million, hitting 2 million or just growth. I mean, she's been experiencing extremely high numbers. Like I think I was checking yesterday and her original salmon bowl rice recipe that got her viral has like 31 million views now, which is very, very crazy. And I think that is really refreshing because she, it just seems like she's just cooking, you know, you're just kind of watching her cook and she's not really an influencer, which is really cool. I discovered that she's, she was also a YouTuber first before she did TikTok, but I think that's really refreshing because I think nowadays the business side of YouTube and TikTok is especially known to audience members. I mean, people know that if they get sponsorships, like they're getting paid an exorbitant amount of money. You know, if you're growing so fast, like your AdSense, like 
customers and um, audience know so much more about it now, uh, especially in our day and age, like compared to the times when it was 2014 and, you know, Bethany Moda was popular. I think it's very, very different. The, the overall dynamic of the audience creator on YouTube is very different. And I think that also makes a lot of people more aware of the uh, content that they're consuming, which is good. Okay, I'm sorry, but the lighting is going in and out and it's driving me crazy. It's just because it's an overcast day. So I hope you do not mind. But I think one thing that I wish Emily would do more, and I've never watched her YouTube videos, so maybe I'm just missing out on that. I just follow her on TikTok. Is I wish she would talk more about the struggles that she has in real life and maybe not paint her life so perfectly, which I do understand if she wants her content, you know, to be able to be a distraction for people who are struggling in real life and she wants to be able to provide a comforting space for them. But I think it is, it can get a little unrealistic in some points. I mean, if you notice her videos, she is constantly cooking with ingredients that she gets from the farmer's market, which is already more expensive than usual supermarkets. And then also she just living in the Bay Area, wearing the clothes that she wears. I also follow her newsletter, so I'm able to see what outfits she wears and stuff like that. Like, all the details that she provides in her newsletter just make me realize that her life is a little bit unattainable, which is something that you might not realize at first. Because just in general, her life is very expensive. Um, living in the Bay Area, as I said, wearing expensive clothes and shopping organic foods or just not processed foods cannot be attainable for a lot of people. So I think a lot of people need to keep in mind when watching her content that she lives a very specific and niche life. And I think that's one thing that social media does really well is that they make you feel content creators and people on social media make you feel like you're just like them. You know, they talk about their struggles with anxiety or mental health issues or just common first world problems. But now and now more than ever, there is an ever-growing gap between influencers and the common person. I mean, influencers are making easily six figures a year when that might not be attainable for a lot of people and especially a lot of kids that are watching their content. So I think it can be really harmful because you're setting your aspirations so high because you're like, oh, I want to be an influencer. Oh, I want to live just like Emily Mariko or just like Bethany Moda, whoever. But it's also really hard because a lot of kids don't know how to take in the fact that there are different factors in life that can affect your ability to attain that kind of lifestyle. So I think it is just something to remember and that social media, while it feels like everyone is so homogenous and everyone lives such a similar life, we don't really. <laughs> I mean, area affects you, especially income level, socioeconomic status, all these kinds of things. So I think that's just really important because then when you start comparing yourself to influencers or people that you see online, it can get really harmful. And we'll talk about comparison a little bit later, but I wanted to move on to the second thing that I've been watching on TikTok a lot, which is the couch guy meme and the couch guy video. So I actually saw the couch guy original video on my For You page. I think when it was like first posted, it was quite early on before it got a lot of views. And when I watched it, I was kind of like, oh, I would not be happy if my boyfriend did not, like if my boyfriend reacted that way, like if I was surprising him at at his college and he just didn't jump up to see me right away, um, I wouldn't be that happy. But 
now that I have had a few days to think about the video and think about everything else that's been circulating on TikTok, I think a lot of people are just being unnecessary and inserting their opinion where it does not belong. I look like a ghost in this lighting. So now that when you go back to the original video that has gone viral, you see a lot of comments about how people are like, oh, if my boyfriend didn't get up right away to hug me, I would be so upset. Or like, oh, he had like the girl next to him had his phone or stuff like that. And then he had her hair tie on his wrist. And it was just like a bunch of random details i mean i've seen so many tiktok videos of people like pausing the video and zooming up on the video like analyzing every single little detail and i think i guess this one hits a little bit harder because i am in a relationship i think if i was single i would feel a little bit differently of course but i think it is so hard to understand a relationship if you are not in it and i've brought this up before but i learned this thing in my urban studies class and it's called the insider as insider or insider as insider doctrine, which means if you are not in the group of people who are currently experiencing that kind of issue, that kind of problem, whatever it is, you will never know their true experiences. So in our urban studies class, we talked more about how like if I'm if I'm not indigenous, I will never understand the impacts of residential schools or um, Indian reserves and stuff like that. But it can still apply to anything in your life. I mean, if you are not in that relationship, which none of us are, only those two are, you will never understand what their relationship dynamic is like. And people are so quick to judge based on a 30 second TikTok. I mean, even in my own relationship, when I made that podcast with my boyfriend, I feel like a lot of people made a lot of positive judgments, which was very nice. But then again, it is only 45 minutes of our day and I think I talked about this in the episode following my episode with my boyfriend it was that I really wanted to make sure that people weren't comparing their relationship or their whatever partner to what they saw online or to that episode of mine specifically because I would really hate for someone to feel negatively about themselves because of some content that I made but anyways that TikTok video the couch guy I think it's really easy to put yourself in the girl's shoes and be like, what would I feel in that situation? But that is something that we've been doing wrong as TikTok audience because, I mean, the girl probably didn't even expect her video to go viral or like viral to this extent. But it's really hurtful to to hear these kinds of comments. I mean, there's a lot of TikTok videos that are under the phrase, if he wanted to, he would. And now I feel like the girl, or at least if I was in her position, would constantly be doubting her relationship or even like second guess, like, oh, is he treating me right? But if your standards for a relationship are not the same as societal standards, like you don't care about your boyfriend getting you flowers or showing up to you or texting you throughout the day, like it doesn't really matter. As long as you two whatever partnership relationship you want to have if you two are satisfying your own needs correctly and fulfill it nicely then who cares what other people have to say in the end it's your relationship it's not the people on tiktok's relationship yeah so i i don't know i had i was upset at first when I watched the video I feel like I had the same reaction as everyone else but I feel like now that it has become a meme and now that it's kind of become as popular as it has been I feel kind of bad for 
those two. And I feel like if I were in that position, I would not be able to continue the relationship with my partner. I mean, I saw a couple recreations where I saw a recreation where someone did it with their dog. And I thought that was pretty funny. But I saw a lot of like harmful recreations, I guess you could say. All in all, I want to say is just that your needs, your life and your standards, whether that be regarding your relationship, your academics, your goals, your dreams, whatever you want, it is solely yours. So really, you don't need to care about what other people say. And I know that's easier said than done. I feel like I am the embodiment of don't care about what people think. I mean, a lot of my friends tell me that. And I think once you learn that fact and once you truly accept it and apply it to your life, it really is so liberating. I, When I was in my first relationship, I was very, very dependent on the opinion of my first partner. And if there was something that he didn't like that I did, I wouldn't do it anymore. I mean, for the first, for the longest time, my first partner, my first boyfriend, he didn't like that I made content and he didn't like that I made YouTube videos. He even like, I remember showing him me editing a video one time and he was like, why are you working on that? Like, that's so dumb. Obviously we have grown from that. And now I can say a big screw you, no offense, but yeah, that's what I really do want to say. Screw you because at the time I didn't know that, but content creation and making YouTube videos, making whatever is like a big part of my life now. And it makes me really, really happy. It, it truly is like one of the things that brings me the most happiness in my life. And for someone else to insert their opinion about what they think is best for me, that's just not cool. So in the case that someone else is doing that to you right now, I would hope that you can reflect and see, is this person really doing it for what's best for you? Or are they just wanting you to become what they want you to be? That's a big thing that I feel like is not talked about enough. A lot of people in relationships, whatever, are like, oh, I can change my partner. I can make him better, blah, blah, blah. But it really is important to remember, do they want to change? Because if you are trying to change someone who doesn't want to change, like that'll never happen. And also, are you trying to change them into who you want them to be? Or are you really trying to help them reach what they can do their fullest potential their greatest goals in life because I think sometimes that can get mixed up and it can be really harmful in the long run anyways with the couch guy thing um I just wish I have very mixed opinions about it I mean I feel like she didn't expect her video to go viral but on TikTok you kind of have to because any video can go viral but I also think this video illustrates the fact that TikTok is just unnecessarily mean and I think everyone has noticed this from the beginning people are just so brutally honest on TikTok and it's just not nice um And it's okay to be honest in comments. I mean, that's totally fine. But I mean, honest to the part where your opinion doesn't really help them, doesn't like criticize them constructively. And it's just hurtful to the creator. It's just, yeah, I don't know. I really don't. I think that video really illustrated TikTok's audience and demographic perfectly. Okay, update. My pants are like dry now. So I'm going to keep wearing these pants, which I, yay. I'm very surprised it dried so fast. It's only been like 25 minutes. Anyways, I wanted to continue this episode and talk about 
something that I have noticed with social media and their effect on kids because I work with a lot of kids and also because I guess social media and its usage like kids usage on social media is quite new. I think it's very interesting to learn about and also just study because this is like totally unprecedented times with just the pandemic and also social media usage. So I think hmm, I think one of the biggest issues that not okay, I'm not going to call it an issue. I think one of the biggest aspects of social media that I've noticed is that is that it it forces kids to grow up very quickly. And what I mean by that is because you have these kids that are constantly looking up to influencers like Charlie D'Amelio or Lauren Gray or what other TikTok talkers are there? There's Addison Ray, whoever else. Those influencers are, I don't know, it just is there's just this some sort of social media tunnel that once you start using it and you start looking up to these people a lot of times people are also inspired to start wearing makeup and start dressing provocatively and stuff like that and that's totally fine but I think the identity that kids are developing with the aid of social media is quite interesting I mean think about this I watched a documentary about or it wasn't documentary it was like a YouTube video that some girl posted and she asked like would you know who you are without social media and when I thought about that I I reflected for a very long time this also made me have an existential crisis a lot of things make me have an existential crisis but this in particular also made me and I think now that I have had a healthy relationship with social media and also a healthy relationship with my shel- myself, my shelf, <laughs> myself, I don't, I think I'm totally fine without using social media or using social media. It, it's not a big part of my identity. I'm talking about using social media. Obviously, content creation is social media, but that kind of is a different aspect of it I would like to consider. In this point, I'm just talking about your consumption on social media and who you follow, what you post, and all this kind of stuff. A lot of times, social media is intertwined with the identity development that we are going through throughout our teenage years, adolescence, young adulthood. And that is really scary because Obviously, like I said earlier, this has never been done before. There's never really been a generation with social media so prevalent in their childhood. And I think it could have some long-term consequences towards your mental health, towards who you are as a person. It's just really scary. I think I think one of the big parts of why I really don't like it or why I don't like the fact that people are developing their identity on social media is because social media is literally just a highlight reel. People only post their best moments on social media and you will never see people posting their bad moments, you know, when they're crying, when they're upset about something, when their significant other and them are in a fight. I mean, people are now becoming more open nowadays, but for the most part, a lot of influencers that you see and a lot of people that just use social media in their day-to-day lives only feel like posting the good things on social media, which makes sense, right? Like if you are trying to keep your memories online on an Instagram account, you would really only want to keep the good memories of your life because why would you want to keep the bad ones? But I think it creates an unrealistic expectation, kind of like Emily Mariko and how she 
creates this expectation of good times all the time, which is very unrealistic. As a kid, when or even a teenager, actually. As a teenager, when I was going through a lot of internal struggles with my own identity and my own just figuring out who I was in general, I had a lot of insecurities because A, I didn't see anyone talking about divorce or family struggles openly on the internet, and I feel like everyone else that I saw had a perfect family, and it made me really insecure. And B, also because I didn't really see a lot of influencers who were like me. I mean, for the longest time, a lot of the influencers and celebrities in general were white, females, males, attractive, rich, and it doesn't really create a realistic representation of the diversity that we have in this world. So I think when kids go online and just see these good times and everyone else live in their best life, it can be really hard when they feel very alienated because they feel like no one else goes through the same struggles that they do. I actually learned about this in my childhood and adolescence development class. Uh, it was in my textbook reading. There's this, there's this something, I forgot what it's called. It's basically when you feel like you are the only person going through that struggle. And it's very, very common in teenager years and young adolescents. I don't know what that means. Um, Basically, you feel like you are the only person like, oh, I'm the only person with my parents getting a divorce and I'm the only person with struggles with my identity. Like I'm so alone and no one else can help me. When in reality, uh, that your best friend might be going through the same issues, but you would never know because you guys don't talk about it because you're expected to talk about only positive things. So I feel like social media really, really magnifies that kind of issue because people are literally posting you feel like they're posting all of their life online and you feel like, oh, well, how come they're only posting positive things? Like it feels like they don't have bad times at all in their life. And that can be very harmful and very alienating, as I've been saying. I think it's just really important to remember. One of the big things to remember is that everyone goes through something, whether it is big, whether it is small, whatever it is, everyone has their own struggles and when you feel like you're the only person in the world going through a bad time or having a rough patch, just know that you are not the only one. And if you open up to someone and are vulnerable with them, most of the time they will also open up back to you about some hard times that they've been going through. So I feel like just remembering that is very important. So anyways, with the kids that I work with, a lot of times I notice that they have this comparison mindset ingrained in them from when they are so young which makes me so sad it makes me want to cry sometimes they because they've been on social media for so much of their life their their norm is to compare themselves to people that they see on social media or just be degrading to themselves very easily um social media really highlights the negativity in your own self. Like you always start to feel like, oh, why am I not as pretty as that person on Instagram? Why am I not on a yacht like them? Why am I not doing as well in school as them? Like they're going on to their fifth summer internship. Like how come I can't even get one? 
that kind of mindset comparison and negative self-talk mindset I have noticed is so apparent in kids that are super young nowadays and part of it might be the parenting that you grow up with I mean for me at least I know for Asian kids negative self-talk is very common because that's what your parents do to you ever since you you know can start reading can start writing a lot of ways that parents show affection or show that they care is through pointing out your flaws and pointing out what you're bad at which is obviously not good when I'm a parent I after my parenting course or not my parenting course but my childhood and adolescence course and just my entire university degree um it has made me very hyper aware that as a parent, you have so much effect on your child, like to the point where literally anything you do, if it's controllable or not, has an effect on your child. And that is probably one of the biggest reasons why I do not want to have children is because that scares me to too much of an extent. Um, like things you can't control, like um, the house that you grow up in, the neighborhood that you grow up in. Sometimes those kinds of factors are not controllable. Even the weather of your, the climate of the place that you live is, those kinds of things are not in your control. And they can have a really, really big effect on the way that your child develops and the type of personality that they have. Also with the genetics, combined with the genetics that they are born with, which obviously would be coming from you because you're the parent. Anyways, yeah, that's a side tangent why I don't want to be a parent. We can even have another whole episode about that. I really don't want to have kids. I really don't want to birth kids, but more so I don't really want to have kids anyway. Um, okay, let's continue. Where was I? I kind of got off track there. I was talking about kids. Yeah, the kids that I work with, they just have such a common negative mindset already, which is so hurtful to see it's really harmful for your growth and your learning especially I mean kids that I work with now are so hesitant to try new things or if they can't do a math problem right away they're like I'm so dumb like I can't do this when we all need to little chill a little you know um just let yourself learn and let yourself be able to try I mean the most important thing nowadays is that you try. I feel like a lot of teachers are really emphasizing this. And as a teacher myself, through math and through dance class, I really emphasize you don't have to be good at everything. You don't even have to be good at anything. But what's really important is that you are able to give it your best shot, give it a try. And even if you see that you can't do it, you're still continuing to try. You're not ready to give up after one second. So that's definitely something that kids right now are not as good at I would say because once they realize that they're not as good at something they just kind of give up right away which is not great so that's something that's a big thing that I've noticed and as an educator myself or just like someone with an impact on these kids I really try to highlight the fact that we don't start good at everything I mean some people have innate talents that they are born with but for most of us we're just regular people and a lot of these skills a lot of these problem solving whatever they take time to develop and take time to learn so moving on one of the other things that I wanted to talk about this episode one of the big things was the highlighting the fact that how unrealistic this super speedy growth on social media is I mean, I talked about it earlier with Emily, right? She went from 500K to like almost 3 million in, I think it's been less than a month, pretty much. And while a lot of people we can see 
grow like that, like especially Charlie D'Amelio, you know, she's growing like a million followers per day. That is not the norm. And I think this just hits me a little harder because I'm a content creator myself and I have struggled with having these numbers shoved in my face all the time with my videos and my podcast and my content. I mean, on YouTube studio, you're constantly like your videos are constantly being compared to each other. Like, oh, this video is not performing as well. This video is doing better. Those kinds of things. And your analytics, you know, they they show you how many subscribers you've gone in the last month. And then it's like, oh, less than usual or more than usual. These kinds of comparison statements. I really don't like them because who cares? I mean, if you're genuinely doing social media for the fact that you like making content and you like sharing what your thoughts and what you have to say to the world, then these kind of numbers shouldn't really matter to you. Also, side note, but thank you for 2,000 subscribers. <laughs> um, I didn't really think that uh, that would ever happen, especially when I hit 1K last year. I really didn't think I would continue making content and also continue growing like this. So I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. And I'm just very happy. We can talk about it some other time. But anyways, I think it undermines and also a big part problem with our society is that influencers are like kids in general are just being shoved to money like so fast and so early on in their life. I mean, look at Emma Chamberlain, for example. She started her YouTube channel when she was like 16 and now she's, I think, a year younger than I am. She's like 20 and she's, you know, like has more money than she can imagine and like has more to do with in her life. And same with Charlie D'Amelio. I haven't watched the D'Amelio show, but I've watched a few documentaries analyzing the show. And a big point that they talk about is how Charlie is so pressured because she is the main breadwinner of her family and how she feels like she cannot say no to all the opportunities she is given because of that fact, because she feels like she has to be able to provide for her family and like the tens of people who are on her team. And I feel like no kid should have to go through that struggle. One other topic that I've been delving deep into recently in my own time watching YouTube videos and stuff is family vloggers and mommy vloggers because they use their children and exploit their children so much. Um, I used to be a big fan of family vloggers. I used to love them so much. I would watch them daily as soon as I got home from school. So if you are still in that boat, do not worry because I was like that too. But then I realized after watching one commentary video about it that they are really bad towards their children and they what they do is wrong. Um, one controversy that I saw a commentary video about was this woman named Jordan Cheyenne who had her own mommy YouTube channel thing and she would vlog. And basically there was this one day she uploaded raw footage so she forgot to edit her vlog. And there was this one point in the video where her kid was crying really hard because their dog was at the vet and was really, really sick and they didn't know if... Um, the dog would make it essentially and the child was just really really sad understandably so because probably first pet or something I really don't know much about that family but I mean as a kid I'd be sad for sure and what Jordan did while she was consoling her child in the car she kind of ignored him and just let him keep crying and she was just talking to the camera like oh let me tell you about the dog and what has happened and stuff like that and then so that's like the first bad thing, right? Like if you're ignoring your crying child just to talk to the vlog camera, what the heck is wrong with you? But the kicker, the worst part is she, this is the part she forgets to edit out of the video. She, at the end of her update little talking thing to the camera, she puts her camera down and 
like forces her kid to pose for a thumbnail while he is crying and being really sad and she's deleted all her socials at this point but if you're interested you should go and like watch a commentary video about it it is so messed up if you see the original footage um like the kid is just bawling his eyes out and she's just like oh come here a little closer i'll pretend you look sad for the thumbnail and the kid is like i am sad mom she's like yeah but just look like this like put your hand on your face or whatever like what the heck that made me really heated when i watched the video for the first time because i was so upset at how the child was being treated and just how messed up that like mommy vloggers are and this is obviously just one circumstance but in the daily uh these kids are the main spotlight of their content and they are not being i don't know if these mommy vloggers have savings for them or even then i feel like these kids should just should just be left alone and like just let them have a childhood um i i don't know and and again with the types of comments that are on social media these people a lot of people feel the need to comment on oh your kid is so bratty oh your kid is whatever whatever so needy crying whatever even if the kid cannot read the comments at that time if they in the future can and they're a teenager or whatever and they look back on their comments, wh- what are they to do? It's probably going to be so hurtful to them. And to know that your most vulnerable moments are posted online without your consent. I mean, I used to watch a family vlogger channel and they would post about their kids uh, potty training and stuff like that. To know that that stuff is online without your consent and it's been there for years at that point it can be really harmful I assume to these kids and I think there's just there's just too much too many long-term consequences to justify this kind of content I mean obviously yeah when you're a kid your parents um take or make consent for you like they consent on your behalf because you're not old enough to understand but I think we should reconsider the types of content and the monetization policies that we have for uh, content surrounding children. And also don't let your parents decide when they are making money and receiving benefits on your behalf. On the child's behalf, I mean, I don't know. So that topic makes me really heated. I think it is so messed up. That's all I want to say. It's just so messed up, so messed up. Um, and yeah, I no longer support people who vlog their children or vlog their families just because, you know, you have to be careful as a consumer. Like when you're shopping, your money tells them where the decisions go. When you're watching YouTube content or any content in general, the time that you spend watching it tells YouTube where their money and advertising efforts should go. So if you don't want a type of content to be put out into the world, you should stop watching it yourself. Even if you're watching it out of like, oh, I don't like their content, but I just want to see what they're up to. Try not to do that because it can push out the videos in the wrong way. I mean, YouTube doesn't know if you're watching it for fun or for not fun. So they just think, oh, another click. Oh, another view. They're going to push out that video more into the algorithm. So try not to watch that kind of content. I mean, the algorithm is a, the algorithm is a, I can't speak. The algorithm is a very weird thing. And just be careful with where you're spending your time and your money, because that tells corporations and businesses where to put more of their efforts. Wow, this was a very heated episode and my camera's about to die. So let's end the episode here. I hope you enjoyed. Make sure you give it a thumbs up. Leave a comment down below. Subscribe if you want. Follow my podcast Instagram at OverEasyThePodcast. And I will see you in my next episode. Bye.